Good morning, DC family. Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by DMV Sports Network, your number one sur- source for local, professional, and collegiate sports in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. As always, I am your host, Frank. I am joined by Brendan. Brendan, how you doing? Good, buddy. And we are pleased to welcome back onto the podcast, friend of the show, and one of the most prominent voices on Wizards Twitter, Damo. Damo, you doing all right? Doing all right, man. Can't complain at all. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming back on, and uh, we've got a lot of Wizards nudes to unpack. Uh, Today is Monday, February 3rd. We're recording this around 6.30 p.m. Uh, The Wizards play the Warriors tonight at 7 o'clock p.m., so a little bit of an overlap there. Um, some injury news to report. The Wizards are getting two key players back from injury. That is Rui Hachimura, who's missed the past 22 games, and Mo Wagner. In addition, Davis Bertans, who was a game-time decision, is also suiting up. So starting with you here, Brendan, what does the return of Hachimura and Wagner, what does that mean for the Wizards' prospects? Um, well, it's a good sign when you start getting uh, bodies healthy, even necessarily if they aren't as important uh, in this case as Rui and Mo are to the team, just because you have options that you can go to. But you can do so much with Wagner and Rui. We've obviously missed. Uh, Rui is one of the better offensive players on the team, uh, certainly one of the best overall players on the team. Mo is a guy who can come in and I mean, he's basically been about as good as Thomas Bryant, if not in some cases a little bit better. So we're certainly glad to have him back. And, you know, he can certainly uh, – we can close a game with either of them in there, and they're not a liability one way or another. And Jan Mahimi has played pretty well, but I'm glad that we can get another big in there who can kind of uh, stretch the floor a little bit. And he has a little bit more versatility in his game. So happy that we have these two back in the lineup, and hopefully it leads to some more wins. Yeah, and Damo, your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he's he's our third leading scorer. So, I mean, that's pretty important, especially with the way we play defense. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's back, and I'm definitely glad Mo Wagner is back because you need that uh, – you need an actual NBA uh, center there coming off the, coming off the bench behind uh, – behind Thomas Bryant, because I'm, I'm tired of seeing Thomas Bryant at the four. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And important to note, I should have prefaced that both players are said to be on a minutes restriction, at least temporarily, although Hachimura is going to retain his spot in the starting lineup. Um, is it fair to expect maybe a little bit of rust um, from both of these players or either either one of them individually, or do you think they'll kind of just jump back into the swing of things? Well, the thing I found a little bit weird is we've seen Davis Bertans and Thomas Bryant go to the go-go to practice. We didn't see that with Rui or Mo Wagner, did we? I mean, I think that that would help them at least get back. Yeah, I mean, I think that would at least help them somewhat get back into game shape. But I think it's fair to expect a little bit of rust. Now, given that we're playing the Warriors tonight, we don't know how much rust will show tonight. Um, But certainly I don't think they're going to come out there and – you know, be guns a blazing. But I think that, you know, the things you want to see, um, Rui, I want to see him be a little bit more active defensively and engaged on that end. Um, does he still look spry and athletic uh, in the paint? And Mo Wagner, I just want to see his energy and uh, can he pick up where he left off in terms of the charges? So those are some simple uh, 
things to expect or request at least from those two uh, coming back tonight. Yeah, and uh, Dama, do you think they'll be in your rest at all, or, or what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it will be. Um, but the way Rui plays, he he he's never really sped up. Like he doesn't play like a rookie or a young guy. So I, I'm not sure. Maybe in the first quarter, maybe. But I think by the second quarter, I think he'll be fine because he doesn't he doesn't try to play outside of his game. Everything is kind of you know within his limits. So. I think he'll be fine. Now, Mo, I don't know. Sometimes he get a little, little wild with it and be trying to do stuff that he really not capable of. So he might, he might do some, some, some boneheaded stuff to start the game when he get in, just to get the nerves out. But he'll settle yeah. down. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see for to be sure. Um, we'll see whether or not there is any rust here shortly. Um, but the biggest news recently. Um, surrounding the Wizards was Bradley Beal not making the All-Star team after making it the past two seasons. Uh, Beal was not voted the starter. Instead, that was Kemba Walker and Trey Young, who will be holding down the backcourt spots in the East. And he was somewhat surprisingly, to some very surprisingly, uh, not voted in as a reserve either, missing out on that honor to other players like Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, and so on. And on top of that, it was announced today that Beal was not voted Eastern Conference Player of the Week either, despite averaging 38, 5, and 6 on 44% shooting and 43% shooting from the three-point line for the week. Instead, that honor was given to Jalen Brown, who averaged 25 points and six rebounds per game in his own right. So starting here with you, Damo, Pretty sure I know what you're going to say here, but do you think Beal should have been on the All-Star roster? And on top of that, do you think he should have won Player of the Week? Yeah, so just you even just running down all of the numbers and everything, I'm just getting upset all over again. So take a breath here. Uh, yeah, so I think it's pretty obvious that he should have been an All-Star. Um, I mean, 28-6-4. and four. I, and I was looking at it today, he has a better true shooting percentage than LeBron James this season while averaging 28, 6, and 4. Yeah, he's not an all-star. Like, it just doesn't – it's like 2 plus 2 equals 5. It just does not compute. Um, and then the whole Jalen Brown deal, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, like, it's the Celtics. I guess they're trying to prop up the young guys. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't even understand that. So you telling me the guy that that had one week of putting up numbers that come close to what Brad has been doing all season, he gets to be Player of the Week, and a guy that's averaging thirty eight a game, no mention. Um, and it's and it's wild because I was I was talking. I've been talking about this all all week since the snub and everything and. Even after that sixth game where he had dropped like 30 straight six times in a row, and they were talking about Lillard and his performances over the last few games and whatnot. And then they, I'm watching Sports Center and they cut to the Wizards game. And I'm thinking they're going to talk about, you know, Wizards get an important win over the Nets. And, you know, they get 30 straight, uh, 30.6 straight times from Bill. No mention of it at all. You know what they talk about? They talked about Kyrie Irving getting hurt, and then they didn't even show the full court. You didn't even know who won the game. They just cut off and went to something else. And I'm just like, 
wow, wow. I guess that's what it's like playing in, in the Washington, D.C. basketball market. I, I don't know. I don't understand it, but the dude definitely got disrespected, and it's it's really unfortunate, honestly. Yeah, um, Beal got snubbed. Uh, no question about it. You look at the numbers. I mean, I even think that those are all NBA numbers to an extent. I mean, at least for third team. Um, you know, we can talk about the improvement of the offense or, or the lack of the defense in today's era or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, Beal has not done uh, some things perfectly throughout the season, but he has, for the most part, balled out. I mean, he's been stunning this season uh, given what he has to play with uh, given the coaching I mean the guy's been phenomenal and the fact that he was willing to resign and um, you know continue to play hard for this organization I think speaks a lot to his character and I know there were a little bit of character concerns maybe and some question um, about whether or not he wanted to be here but uh, the performance that he's put on all season has been spectacular and so i Definitely think he deserved to make the All-Star. In terms of Player of the Week, I mean, he definitely uh, should be considered and probably earned it over Jalen Brown. But at the end of the day, I don't really care about Player of the Week and all that. But, um, yeah, disappointing to say the least that Beal didn't make the All-Star. I mean, th- this is on his resume now that he lost an All-Star spot to. I mean, I'm not going to go through all the names and stuff. Um, but th- that all those guys made it over him. It's just it- – it's – not a good sign from the NBA. I mean, they need to fix the voting. Uh, Frank, you know that I hate the fan voting and that, um, you know, they should have little to no say in what goes on. Uh, the players perhaps themselves aren't the best. Uh, we know some coaches maybe sometimes can be biased, so I don't know how exactly they're going to um, handle the all-star uh, voting going forward, and maybe it won't change. But the one thing that's clear is that Beal should have been an all-star this year, no doubt. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the issues with the voting process itself. I mean, if you look at it, Beal was the second voted guard by his peers, by other players. So by that logic, other players in the league think that think that he should have been a starter, let alone a reserve. And basically the question begs, you know, why exactly didn't he make the all-star team? And it's kind of a loaded question. Obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but... If you look at Beal and then someone like Devin Booker, they're the only two players in the past 35 years now to be averaging 27 or more points and not make the all-star team. So when you look at two players like that, and then some could say you could throw Zach Levine's hat into that ring as well. Similar players, you can argue who's better, who's not. But basically, all three of them had similar all-star cases and didn't make it. So... In your guys' opinion, what what was really the biggest factor that that goes into them being snubbed? Is it they're playing on poor teams, lack of na- national recognition, maybe some issues on the defensive end, or or what do you think really went into that? Uh, starting with you, Doma. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, kind of to my point earlier, like the, just the lack of of exposure. Like the, the Wizards have really not talked about. I mean, you got. Stephen A., who before the year started, said basically the Wizards will have the worst starting five in NBA history. Um, so, I mean, nobody's really looking at the Wizards to do much of anything. And it's almost like Brad's 28-6-4 was a, it would be a, is an afterthought. You know? But if Ben Simmons was doing 28-6-4, they'd be already putting them in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, it's just, it's just part, it's part exposure, and I just think 
you know, then also with the Wizards not not having a great record, you know, it's 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 a deal. But even with that, it's like, you know, when Bill was averaging twenty three a game and the Wizards were a top four seed and he had some of the best efficiency numbers of his career, he still didn't make it. So it's just it seems like the criteria changes from year to year depending on what narratives the league wants to drive and storylines they want to go with. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I think just what it comes down to is the Wizards are di- have been disrespected um, and are disrespected to this day. It's been like that since Wall was drafted. It was like that before Wall was drafted, and it will continue to be like that. So I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, the losing. To say that the Wizards would have the worst starting five and all that, I think, was just complete ignorance. and. Uh, a lot of national reporters don't do research on some teams, and they're definitely not going to do research on a team like the Wizards, who is going to be without their um, arguably some will say their best player, some will say their second best player at this point. Uh, but they're without their All Star point guard John Wall right now, so uh, mostly everyone expected the season to be a wash for them. So I think it was um, those two things that mainly probably kept them off of it. Right, and. Just touching on on some future speculation here briefly before we move into uh, trade deadline talk. So for Beal, having made the All-Star team two years in a row and then getting snubbed, I guess, out of nowhere, and in in a season in which he's been openly, you know, he hasn't shied away from voicing his frustration when the team hasn't been doing well, and the Wizards are just 17-31 and for the season, so if Beal's not happy with the way the team has been winning, or you could say with the rate in which they've been losing, and now he's not going to be recognized as an all-star, is this the kind of thing that could you know, potentially contribute to, to him wanting out or wanting to go elsewhere uh, in the summer? Or is, it, is that merely just speculation and it's really just a non-sequitur? Uh, Brendan, your thoughts? I think it's just speculation. I think that if he really wanted to be gone um, and that he didn't want to be here, I mean, he, he wouldn't have signed the extension. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, you know, but these things are, are fluid, man. These, these guys are human, and they have different motivations. And, you know, depending on what's going on in their lives, things can change. So I, I say that to say, like, I wouldn't worry about it now, but it wouldn't be something that I would take for granted. Like, oh, he signed the extension. We don't have to try to get better or we don't need to do anything. Like, right. no, you need to try to make moves to to make this a competitive team and, and keep building the loop because he can change his mind at any any given moment. And one way you can improve the team is around Beal is through trades. And luckily enough for the Wizards, this is an opportune time to just to do just that with the trade deadline just a few days away this upcoming Thursday. Um, many speculated whether or not the Wizards would be buyers or sellers. Um, surprisingly enough, Brian Windhorst reported today on Zach Lowe's podcast that the Wizards are, quote, quietly trying to buy on the open market. And one player he listed as a potential target, is Tristan Thompson of the Cavaliers. Thompson is averaging a double-double this year, 12 points and 10 and a half rebounds, and he's in the final year of his $18.5 million contract. Windhorse also noted that the Cavs are 
seeking potential draft capital in return for Thompson in a trade. So uh, whether or not this rumor actually has any validity obviously remains to be seen in the coming days. But on the surface, Damo, what are your thoughts on Thompson as a potential trade target? Yeah, so when I when I first saw the the rumor, um, I just my initial thought was Tristan Kardashian, but then I was like, all right, let me not let me not do that. Let me be nice. Let me go look at the numbers. Let me see what he's actually been doing this season. I mean, I know he's a he's a pretty solid. Uh, he's definitely one of the better offensive rebounders in the league. Um, good rebounder, solid defender. I don't know about him on pick and roll and, and being like an anchor for your defense, um, but he's definitely better than what we have, and he's still relatively young. He's I think he's like twenty eight. Um, I just I just don't really see the deal. I don't I don't see the benefit for Cleveland as far as what we would be willing to give up because the only deal I can think of is maybe a a second round pick and then Mahimi's contract so the math so the money uh. Uh, adds up, and I think it would save Cleveland about three million dollars this year. But uh, other than that, I don't really see a deal to make it make it happen. That's worthwhile, really. Yeah, um, I don't understand the Tristan Thompson thing because we already have Bryant and Wagner that need the playing time, and even if we trade for Thompson, I would not want him playing over either of them. So if we were to trade for Tristan Thompson, you would think that at that point, then Thomas Bryant would be on the move because why would we take on the extra million, the extra three million or two million or whatever it is uh, just to have a guy sit there? I mean, at that point, I wouldn't want us to be getting a draft pick in return, um, whether it's a, you know, a, a second round or a future second round or whatever it is, because Cleveland's not winning anything anyway. So if they get rid of Tristan Thompson, um, who is probably a better player than Jan Mahinmi, but again, this is about them saving them um, some money or whatever. Otherwise, I, I'm not quite sure why they would make the trade. So if that's the case and it's to help them, then yeah, I want the second round pick in return. And if that's the case, then you know what? Sure. But um, I, I just I just don't get why that would be necessary, and um, I, I don't see the fit. Right, so branching off that, I mean... And any sort of deal for Thompson, given the salaries, you would assume that it would have to be Jan Mahimi somewhere involved. But what's the incentive for the Cavaliers to to do a deal kind of like Damo mentioned, maybe, where you're getting Mahimi in a second rounder? Because presumably, given the season that Thompson's having, which is solid, they'd probably be able to get something better um, elsewhere, wouldn't you think? I think so. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. I mean... But Mahini has been balling this year. He has been yeah. balling, you know. But I, I just I don't I don't really see the benefit for the Cavs other than just saving three million dollars. And it's not like we're close to the luxury tax line right now. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that would be. And they're both in the last year of the deals. Just let it expire. I, I don't I don't I don't know. I, I don't I don't get it. Maybe there's a rumor that the Cavs threw out there to try to gain some interest from other teams. I don't know. And if you're Tommy Shepard, and like you know that Jan Mahinmi has played himself into, you know, some sort of trade value, you really want to waste all that by just doing a player swap? I mean, it just wouldn't right. make much sense. Right. You could get yeah. a second-round pick, 
and another expiring contract or something like that um, for Mahimi. Because I think Mahimi at this point has at least played himself into a second-round pick. Now, what team he goes to or whatever and how that would work, you know, remains to be seen. But I think in a deal for Mahimi, he's at least played into where you can get back some asset like a young player or a second-round pick. So, again, I just don't think it would make much sense to do a player swap at this point. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, two other centers who have been floating around the trade market, not necessarily for the Wizards specifically, but while we're on the subject of the center position, you have Houston Rockets center Clint Capella, who's reportedly getting shopped around by Darren Worry, as well as Pacers center Miles Turner. Um, assuming that the Wizards weren't to trade for Tristan Thompson, and they do look elsewhere for a center, um, for whatever reasons you may have, do you think that either Capella or Miles Turner could be an enticing option, or in what what sort of capital or players do you think the Wizards have to give up in order to acquire either of those guys? And is a trade for either of those players, frankly, worth worth the uh, worth the trade? Um, I I like Clint Capella and. Miles Turner both, but I think my my opinion on Thomas Bryant still stands in that I think that he was re-signed for a reason. Um, I, although I do think his contract is very movable, but I mean, we've even seen him come back now and he's had uh, a near double-double in which he played 23 minutes and then he had a double-double in what I think was, what, like 25 minutes or whatever he played um, the other night. So, he's productive. And he hasn't been fully back yet. You know, uh, he looked pretty promising, I think, in the beginning of the season. He's starting to find that jump shot. Uh, you'd still like him to be a little bit better from three, but um, he had a nice three-pointer the other night. Um, but my thing is, if you're going to move on from Thomas Bryant, the general assumption is that they'll be bringing in a rim protector. Now, I'm not a numbers genius or anything like that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Miles Turner is no rim protector. And again, I could be wrong. Um, and Dom, I'm, I'm sure you've looked up the number on these, so tell me if I'm wrong. But um, and, you know, Clint Capella is a good center as well. But again, and this was part of a thread that you were in earlier too uh, that uh, Matt was saying. But offensively, he offers nothing but lobs and um, you know around the rim finishes. And I want my center to be able to stretch the floor and some capacity because Thomas Bryant can also do lobs. And, and I know this, is a, this move would be about defense, and I understand that. I mean, you know, Thomas Bryant is not a strong fella, no secret. But he's still so young. He's going to need a little bit more time to grow. Let him hit the weight room a couple more summers or so, um, even just one summer. And I think we could see improvement in that area. So I'm not ready to give up on Thomas Bryant. Um, I know that you're going to go the other believe uh but i'm interested to hear what you have to say on it yeah so i like thomas bryant i like him i love his offense i love his uh the chemistry he's been building with bill as far as a pick and roll guy even pick and pop in some in some instances um but i don't know about his instincts defensively and i think Part of the reason that this is one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen from watching the Wizards 
almost 30 years now is that he sometimes just looks confused out there, man. Like, and if you get him on a guard on the, on the perimeter, it's a bucket. Yeah. Every time it's a bucket. <laughs> um, so I, like I say, I, now I don't think that means he can't get better cause he's still young, but I'm just speaking in, in the present. He is not helping you do anything defensively right now. Um, and then it gets exaggerated when you got a five foot nine uh, matador at point guard trying to defend. So, um, yeah. So I, I was saying this earlier. I would, even if it required it. This is not ideal. I wouldn't want to do it. But if it required trading Bertans to get Miles Turner, who is only twenty three years old. And just last year, led the entire league blocks while shooting 38% from three. I would drive Bertans to the airport, my dad, so. Um, The problem is, I don't think Indiana is going to do it because he's a, he's a good player. Now, the uh, Sabonis guy, he's probably made Miles expendable, but they probably want to get a good look at them for a good playoff run this year with Oladipo coming back and then see how the draft plays out and then maybe make a trade. Um, but, but yeah, if Miles Turner is available, I'd be all over that, all over it, because he's, he's on a good contract. And he's similar. He's, he's, he's not like a, he's not like a uh, Rudy Gobert type rim protector. He's kind of like a, to me, he's kind of like an Al Horford type rim protector where he can be a bunch of different places and he can disrupt shots and he can, he can switch on a pick and roll. He's a versatile defender and he just makes your defense better. He's still young, man. So, and then he can shoot the three. So, uh, he doesn't clog your spacing because I think right now, if you're going to put a center next to Rui, it needs to be somebody that can space the floor and can also be a paint protector. Uh, so, I would love Miles Turner. Capella? Ah, uh, initially when I was thinking about it, I was like, man, that would be great. But the way that this, his style of play, man, in the playoffs, I could easily see him getting benched in the fourth quarter. Yep. Which is why the Rockets are trying to get rid of him. So right, because the Rockets have had issues with that against the Warriors and such. I was in the playoffs where, at the end of the game, it's PJ Tucker at center, not Capella, because they go small and that's their most effective lineup. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But then it's like I, I watch these games where, you know, the Wizards give up career highs to to random guards that average like five points a game, and it'd be off all layups. <laughs> and I just be like, man, if we had Capella, like. But, you know, at what cost? You know, Tommy's not cost? desperate. No, he's not. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. So I think right. that would be a type of move that Ernie would make. But I think under Tommy, I think he's going to give some of these younger players a little bit more leeway and see uh, what can come of them now. When you have an offseason, say Wall comes back and plays like a month or so or, you know, however long, and he looks decent, or even if he doesn't. You know that going into next year, you're definitely going to have your healthy wall and beal. Um, then maybe if you want to look at some pieces and say, okay, the window is closing for um, to win with these two, because I do think that if they run it back next year and it doesn't work after next year, I'm done. I don't want anything to do with either of them. That's me personally. Um, 
but then maybe over the off season, you think about maybe making more of a move uh, for a bigger name, you know, um, like a Clint Capella. But right now, uh, I, I just don't see how it makes much sense to sacrifice your young players. When again, Thomas Bryant is 21, 22 years old. And I know Miles Turner is young too, but then you got to think about giving up Bertans. And like you said, you would do it. I personally think that Bertans and Bryant together is more valuable than either Capella or Miles Turner. So that's where I'll leave it with that. Yeah, and we should definitely touch on Bertans a little bit more in depth. But briefly, you talked about how Tommy Shepard's not desperate. And that's what's weird about the Trish and Thompson rumors, right? Because it seems like the kind of thing that Ernie would do, but Shepard, definitely not so much. I guess the question begs is, do you have these these players we're talking about, Capella, Miles Turner, who would presumably help with on the defensive side of the ball, but how much would they really improve the Wizards' defense to where it'd be worth giving up a player like Bryant or a player like Wagner in addition to some draft picks, presumably? Like, is it, would the return on investment on the defensive side of the ball, would that be worth having to give up um, the capital that I mentioned? Or are the Wizards' defensive issues really just, do they go beyond having a strong center inside? For me, it's beyond the personnel because the defense hasn't been good since Randy Whitman left. So I I truly think it's almost as simple as that. Mm. Uh, I think, so... So part of my my reasoning on on being able to part with Bryant is because I feel like you have a Mo Wagner here and he's a capable rotational big. Because right now I don't see Thomas Bryant as a legitimate starter right now, and neither do I see that with Mo Wagner. And it's it's kind of like they're both offensive bigs right now. Thomas Bryant being a more pick and roll mid range guy and Mo being a more stretch five guy, but neither one of them are defenders. And so it's like, I just don't feel like you can have both of them and think you're going to have a top half of the league defense. Because if you look at all of the top 10 defense in the league right now, all of them have an interior paint anchor. And I just don't see that on this team right now. So it's going to leave somebody out, out of the equation. And you know, Thomas Bryant is probably the more sought after, would be the more sought after player. So that's why I would include him for a Capella or uh, Miles Turner. Um, but but Bertans, I, I just feel like he's a luxury. Like, I love his shooting, but I mean, we need two way players, man. We need two way players. And I just think if you got a team that's full of, great shooters, offensive guys that can't defend, and then your defenders can't create offense, then you're probably going to be a bad team. Like, you need a team full of two-way guys. So if if there's a move out there where I could get that type of player back that's young, under 25, under 27, I will move batons for that. But if not, then you keep them and you try to retain them on a reasonable contract because, you know, a shooter will always be tradable. So... But like the, the thing with the whole two-way thing is if you look on the roster, there are capable two-way players or at least players that can play defense because right that's what we're talking about, the weakness. Ideally next year, and, and this is obviously going on um, for the future with Bretons, Wall ideally can play defense when he wants. Beal ideally can play defense when he wants. Troy Brown, solid. Jordan McRae, solid. 
I mean, they have Gary Payton. Yep. They, they have guys that can play defense, but you need the guy that's going to get them to play defense. So I think that's a bigger concern itself than with the personnel. And I agree they can improve defensively, and I'm not saying it's all Scott Brooks, but I think that's the bigger chunk of it. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, a question of, of you know, how much is Breton's really worth? And it's worth mentioning that a recent report, I want to say it was Bleacher Report, or uh, Clutch Points, I think is where I saw it on Twitter, saying that Breton's is expected to demand 15 to $17 million per year in free agency should he hit the open market uh-huh. this offseason. So... I mean, is that reasonable if the Wizards were to hang on to Bertans and then pay him somewhere in, in that range salary-wise? I mean, is that something you foresee happening? Or or do you think given that information, assuming that's actually how much he'd want, is it is the best option to trade him away and avoid having to pay maybe a kind of a one-way player or a one-dimensional player, so to speak, that much money? Uh, Dama, what do you think? Yeah, and that's the and that's the million dollar question that uh Shep is gonna have to to find the answer to because you know, you don't wanna get in a situation where you do with I believe it was either Orlando or Houston did when they paid Ryan Anderson all of that money. Um, coming off a season where he had like a career shooting year and was I mean, shooting lights out and it kinda it kinda covered some of the warts in his game and then you get all that money that expectation goes up because once you pay Breton's 16 to 20 million a year, he got to close games for you and he's got to be a top three scoring option potentially on your team. And if you're going to be a top three shot taker on the team, you got to be able to guard long enough to stay on the court. So it's tough, man, because I want to see him with Wall. Like I think he's the perfect type of four man to run with Wall. It's just – the price is going to be at what cost? Like, because uh, I'm just not. I, I don't. I I don't want to pay a one dimensional guy, you know, eighteen twenty million a year. Like, I just think that would be a lose lose proposition for us. Um, I, I'm hoping we can get him around like a TJ Warren type number. I think he signed recently for like three years, thirty six million. Um, maybe something like if we could do something like that around the forty million range, three years. I'm all for it, but. If he want like 60, 70, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be a thing that Tommy's going to have to figure out because maybe if it is closer to 17, 18 million, maybe you look at trading him and get a draft pick and seeing what you can get for him. Um, because, I mean, obviously, as we've said too, the Wizards' offensive ability is not an issue. And I know partly we say that because of Bertans. And he has been great. Like, he's led several comebacks and stuff. But, uh, yeah, maybe if you get a lower number, um, I think that you consider keeping him. But, um, yeah, maybe if it does get up higher, then, yeah, maybe you look trading him. But um, I think that the Mahinmi money range or maybe a tad low is fair. But, yeah, once you get start getting up to that, like, that 18, 19, yeah, I think I'll be all right. So it, it'll just depend. You know, Tommy's going to have to, you know, um, have some tough conversations with his agent and all that, and um, see where things stand. Yeah, well, we'll find out soon enough whether or not Bertans is going to stick around the Wizards roster for the remainder of the season. Before we get into our final predictions, we talked about the need for a defensive anchor at the center position. 
if you had to to narrow down maybe one to two or maybe even three other needs um, that the Wizards could address at the trade deadline, what do you think those would be? Starting with uh, well, with whoever. You got it. Uh, you said needs beyond a uh paint anchor, right? Yeah, I mean, if you if you think there are any other notable needs on the roster. Yeah, so beyond beyond a defensive five, man, we definitely need a small forward, a two way wing, like bad. Because um, I like Troy, I like Troy Brown. I don't know that he's a starter yet, where he's ready to handle, you know, no. thirty minutes a night, and and you know, you know, be be in the game closing in a in a critical playoff game, or you know, you know, I, I just I don't. He's not there yet. Um, so if we could somehow get like a like a Robert Covington type, I think that would be ideal. Um, where you can plug them right in, and you know they're going to be somebody that's going to, on a nightly basis, help you defend and be able to knock down open shots. Because when Wall come back, man, he's going to both of them Wall and Bill with his added playmaking. They're going to be able to create so many opportunities for shooters, um, and it would be nice to have one there. Because right now we don't. <laughs> Yeah, um, I can't think of many needs outside of a pain protector. I mean, yeah, the wing would be nice. You mentioned Robert Covington, obviously a very popular name. Uh, I don't know the, what how much he makes and how they would make it work, but Mo Harkless is a guy who I think that um, you know his team they'd be willing to part with him. Uh, in terms of like my wish list overall, I would like to see Mahimi turned into something, and I want Isaiah Thomas gone yesterday. So that's where I'll just kind of <laughs> leave that. Yeah, I mean, the million-dollar question all year has has really been surrounding Bertans and whether or not the Wizards are going to trade him. Um, and IT is a guy who, you know, we've openly talked about how he's definitely been given a sizable role, but he really shouldn't have because his performance throughout the year, and we've gone on and on, it's really, it hasn't been good. He sucks. And, um, yeah, to, to, put it, to put it frankly. Um, but I guess... One more interesting thought here is Bradley Beal obviously wants to win now, which we've mentioned. He's a fierce competitor. He wants to win now, but that may not necessarily fit with the direction of the team overall as they're kind of going through a rebuilding or retooling year. Um, as we've known, you know, we've talked about this for a while, but now that the trade deadline is here, how much, if any, say do you think Beal will have in what Shepard ultimately decides to do? Because if Beal is saying, "All right, let's go, let's go get a player who's going to help us win now," but Shepard maybe maybe thinking it's going to cost the team assets or players that will be useful down the road. How how do you guys think that di- that dynamic is going to shape out? I think that his opinion will matter, but I don't think that it'll matter right now. I think that if they want to make a move like that, it'll happen in the summer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, you, you just gotta wait and see see how the how the how the draft what what pick you get, and then you make a move off of that. But yep, right now, uh, yeah, I don't see them doing that right now. There's no player that is rumored to be available or is available that Bradley Beal is going to go to Tommy Shepard and be like, "I want that guy." Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I don't see that either. Like, 
Yeah. Like, cause right. even, I mean, D-Lo, maybe? I, 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 nah, no, never mind. No, nah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even with someone like <laughs> Tristan Thompson, is that really the kind of player who Beal is going to bang on the table on che- in Shepard's office and say, go trade for him, you know? Not really no. that. Not really the yeah, caliber yeah. player. Um, but I mean, I'm sure he's looking at the same defensive numbers we looking at. And, yeah. You know. Right. You know, he's it, he's on the court. He's on the court right. when they're giving up 150. So. Yeah. And, well, exactly. part of it again is coaching because again, Thomas Bryant at the four, starting Isaiah Thomas. Like, there's things Brooks can do to help the stuff. He just refuses to. So it's not like it's just the players. Yeah, I would really like to know why the hell that hasn't changed yet, but. And, I mean, I have the game paused here before tip-off. Jan Mahimi is starting again. Like, what sense does this make? Oh, my God. Yeah, Jeez. so what? Now Thomas Bryant's back on the bench, right? And Mo Wagner. So it's like three centers are going to play tonight? That's what you're telling me? So who's so, – so, so Mahimi is starting at the five and then Rui at the four, right? Yeah, and then Gary Payton's still starting. Still starting with IT. And Beal. Yeah. Oh, God. Man, oh man! All right, well, let's. Uh, on that note, we should probably start wrapping this up before uh, before we start throwing up everywhere based on that lineup. <laughs> but um, yeah, just to get some final thoughts in here, if you had to land down some or nail down some predictions, you think for the deadline, whether or not the team's going to be buyers, whether or not they're going to be sellers, or maybe even one surprising player who could be traded on the roster that that maybe most wouldn't expect, or his name's not really being floated around. Um, go ahead, fire away. Whoever wants to take it. Um, I'll say the surprise name is Troy Brown. I think that they should Ooh. be sellers, but I have a feeling in a deal that they'll be a buyer, and I think they'll make one move. Hmm. Uh, I think they stand pat, man. I I don't think they do anything, which um, I wouldn't hate. I wouldn't hate that. I really don't think they do anything because. They're, they're, the guys that are good players are on cheap deals, and all the bad players are the ones yep. that's making all the money. So yep. <laughs> what you going to get back? <laughs> right. Right. I think that's kind of been the popular consensus for most people is that they'll probably stand pat and it'll be a quiet deadline. But, I mean, like you guys said, nothing really wrong with that based on uh, where the team is and the direction and personnel, all things considered. Hey, so. Yeah, so uh, I think that pretty much wraps up this trade deadline special of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Anything else you guys want to get in, or we're all set? Nope, good. Ah, that's all I got, man. All right, well, Damo, thanks again for coming on. Do you want to uh, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm always on there, uh, talking smack about the Wizards. underscore, uh, and it's Roman numeral 1986. L-X-X-X-V-I. Yep. So good luck figuring that out to everyone who's listening. But uh, <laughs> if, if, if you can, be sure to check out Dama for sure. He's, uh, like you said, always chirping and, and getting into it with some people. So definitely a good follow. Uh, Brendan, threes is triced as usual. Yep. Yep. And you can follow me at FrankJP0. And be sure to follow the podcast account at W. OGP underscore podcast and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. See you guys. All right.